you for singing with us this morning. Uh, we invite you to be seated as we honor another tradition uh, for Christmas. And it's my pleasure to invite our sister Pam McCurdy up to the stage this morning as we hear her publicly read from God's word. That is a tradition amongst our brothers and sisters going back thousands and thousands of years where we have somebody come and read scripture to us. And it's our honor today to be led in that tradition by our dear sister Pam. Merry Christmas, church. Merry Christmas. Woo! Good morning. I am honored to be here to speak his word. And um, I am so grateful and honored to also let you know that I'm a new grandma. <laughs> we are all blessed. So I'm going to try to make it through this scripture without losing it. But now you guys know why. <laughs> I know. I know. My heart is full as yours is, and the Spirit is so with me as it is with you. So let us read his word. Birth of John the Baptist foretold. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest called Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has, has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized 
that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and for five months she kept herself hidden saying, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God, we are blessed. Love you. Love you too. Welcome to McCurdy's Presbyterian Church. <laughs> good to have you here today. <laughs> and that was a good one. I was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, welcome to Grace Life. I'm Joe Davis. I'm the pastor here, and uh, <clears throat> I'm actually excited about today's message. Normally, I get really intimidated by holiday messages like Christmas and Easter because I have to go away from the text we've been preaching and I'm going to get nervous because I feel like i got to be more creative or whatever. But uh, then God comes through and, and gives me something that I think will bless you uh, through his word. So I just want to say, you know, I love Christmas bells. Uh, they're loud, but they're also, and they're piercing, but you know, they're easy to hear, right? But when I say that, they're easy on the ears, even though they're loud and you can hear them. They're not like, ah, what is that bell? Ah. And when I was a kid, it was something about these bells that told me that this time of the year is different than all the other times. And it was the, better, it was the best time of the year. Second best was my birthday. But after that, all the rest of the year was horrible except for Christmas. Um, and why? Because I knew as a kid that I was about to get some really cool new toys in a few weeks. <laughs> and the bells would cause me to live in anticipation of Christmas morning when I come down the stairs. And so when I hear the bells, I sense something different in the air. Something new is happening. It's the time of year where Christmas breaks the silence. The mundane the boring, the rest of the times when I am held captive to the average ordinary day. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the same way we look at every passage. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1 and 2 in an abbreviated fashion. We're going to look at the history of what's going on here. I want to talk about life before Christmas. I'm talking about life before Christmas 4 B.C. 4 B.C., the, you know, we, our best guess that was the first Christmas. So Israel has been living in silence. God has been silent for over 400 years. No prophets, no prophecies, nothing like that. There was no active interaction with God between him and his people. And the only primary spiritual interaction they had was the temple. And they were bent on making sure they preserved the temple and followed all the religious traditions they had come to know and love and depend on for connection with God. But frankly, they lived in absolute fear of losing their temple again. They didn't want history to repeat itself. They lived in absolute fear of another exile. At this time, Rome is now in charge of Jerusalem. And they are doing everything they can to make sure they hold on to tradition and heritage and legacy. Teams of priests serve in rotation 
generation after generation. And the Jewish leaders were making backdoor side deals with the Romans so they could protect their culture. You know what's going on here? They have been for 400 years reacting to the past. That's all they've been doing. They've been trying their best to hold on to traditions. And that's why their religion had become shallow, hollow, unfulfilling. No new prophecies, no miracles, no word, nothing from God. It must have been really hard to be Jewish. And I mean that. It must have been really hard to be Jewish that, at that time. This story doesn't sound very inspirational, does it? Transformative or exciting? Boring, mundane pursuit of religion and living in fear of your traditions being ruined with only slight, faint hopes of anything ever changing. And that's what we see here. There were whispers of hope going on. Something after 400 years started to happen and it started very quietly and subtly. There was a handful of people living, just a handful at the time, that began to live in anticipation that God was about to do something big. Faithful people that God gave a very personal, private, intimate assurance to that things are about to change. An example of this were these two people named Simeon and Anna. This guy Simeon, a godly man, he is told by the Spirit of God that he will not die until he gets to meet Jesus. He's old already. And God says, you're not going to die until you meet Messiah. And then there's Anna. She's an older woman. She's a widow. She had a part-time job in the temple, which was a common practice, especially for widows of priests. They would be given part-time jobs in the temple. And I'll tell you more about her later. But here's the verse in Luke chapter 2, verse 25 and 26. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So there were these subtle clues. Like, if you will, a sound of a loud train, but that is way far off in the distance and you can barely hear the horn. You know it's coming, but is that a train whistle? I can't really tell. But it's a clue that, all right, something's down the track. They could barely hear it. But it seemed like, at this point to a handful of people, something is out there. Something significant is about to happen, but we have no idea what it is. It's still a mystery. And then spiritually, all heaven breaks loose. You like how I changed that? <laughs> Made it acceptable. Okay. Over the next couple of years, guys, the God who has been silent for 400 years, for four centuries, began to speak through his spirit. And he disrupts the organized, predictable, mundane lives of faithful people to announce that things are going to change big time. And he starts with Zechariah and Elizabeth, the story that uh, Pam just read in chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. They're told to have a son in their old age. 
and his name will be John. And you know, Zacharias chosen by lot, by chance, to go in and be the priest to burn incense that day, by chance, of course, not by God, of course, just by chance. He gets the news and he doubts it because no way this can happen. We're too old. And Gabriel says, dude, I talk to God all the time. He's the one that sent me here. And here's how you're going to know. From this point forward, you're not going to be able to speak. And his wife must be thinking, man, what a Christmas present that is. My wife, Laura's thinking, oh, if only. But from now on, you won't be able to talk till it happens. Shh. Oh, and by the way, you'll call his name John. And then John is born. Everyone witnesses it and says, this is amazing. Because once the baby is born and he's able to write down his name will be John, suddenly he can speak again. And he starts prophesying. We'll talk about that later. And people are saying, what kind of child is this John going to be? And then soon after, you hear the story about Mary. She's told she will have a son. And by the way, his name is Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus. You've heard that story before. And then after that, Mary goes to meet her aunt, Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, who's been pregnant for about five months. And we see that story in Luke chapter 1, 39 to 45. I'll just read it to you. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, into a town in, a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, her aunt. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, Elizabeth's baby leapt in her womb, about five months pregnant. And Elizabeth was filled, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to my house? For behold, when the sound of your greeting, when I heard your voice enter my house, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Things are starting to get really loud. The train's getting closer. You have that birth of John the Baptist in chapter 1, verses 57 to 67. Finally, the child is born. Zach can't even speak. They ask him what his name is. He says, John. Suddenly, he can talk again. Now, all of a sudden, Zach can't even stop talking. <laughs> and verses 67 to 80, it's just him recanting what the, what the angel said. Here's what the angel told me nine months ago. This is my son. He's going to be a prophet like Isaiah. He's going to come. He's going to prepare the way for the Lord. He is going to be a horn of salvation. A loud, obnoxious horn for salvation. <laughs> the scripture says bullhorn. And that ended up being John. He was quite offensive. Quite rash. But incredibly effective. And now we have the shepherds. Oh, man, it's getting really loud now. Christmas is breaking the silence. These angels appear and announce to these shepherds who are detached from society. They're uneducated. They're boring, unfulfilled lives living in the fields with animals. The angels come and say, glory to God in the highest. And Jesus is coming. And the angels are sitting there and they're afraid. And they're saying, what in the world? We just live here with the sheep. And all of a sudden these angels are singing. And one of the angels says, don't be afraid. I'm telling you about Jesus today. And they leave the fields. 
as proclaimers of the news God has given them. And then there's the wise men. These are the antithesis of the shepherds. They are movers and shakers. They are the most well-educated, highly sought-after men in the world. They're filthy rich, but they're also men of good character and integrity. They come from Asia, from the Orient. And God speaks to them through dreams, through scripture that they knew, and a star that had never appeared before. These brilliant men, through the scripture, through the dreams, and the star, who they know is an unusual star, are so moved that they pack up everything and take a three-year journey to Jerusalem to meet the baby Jesus and proclaim their allegiance to him as the king of kings, as a little boy. It's getting really loud now. The train is right around the corner. And then remember that story about Simeon? He meets Jesus in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 27 to 35. I love this story. And Simeon came into the, in the spirit. God led him to the temple. And when the parents of Jesus brought the child in to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took up his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart this earth in peace according to your promise. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. You know, Joseph and Mary. What, what are you saying, Simeon? God said what to you? That you weren't going to die until you saw our kid? And then Anna overhears this. That, that The widow who was working in the temple, she overhears what's going on. And Anna, who's a prophetess, a prophetess Anna, the daughter of a priest. She was older as well, advanced in years. I, I love how they say the men are old, but the women are advanced in years. You see how they do that? Very, very proper. As a widow, she was 84. She did not depart from the temple. She was worshiping and then fasting there every day, day and night. And she came up on that very hour and she sees what happens and she begins to give thanks to God. And she goes out of the temple for the first time in years and begins to tell everybody who are waiting for the redemption of Israel, guess what, it's here. This 84-year-old woman goes out and now it's getting really loud. Suddenly, God is speaking all over the place. Everywhere you turn, God is saying something. And he's saying it in dramatic fashion, loud fashion, in ways that is gathering everyone's attention. The voice of God has been silent for 400 years. And now suddenly all of that changes and not in a small way. From this point, the way God speaks to his people has completely changed forever. He came for the express purpose of being born of a virgin, living sinless, dying on the cross, and redeeming his people through his resurrection. Can you imagine what these people are feeling? This is all so fresh. It's all so new. It's all so exciting. It's a massive outbreak of good Christmas news that has rescued them from their obsession with traditions of the past. It's the core of what made Advent so dramatic. 
so awesome. It was fresh. It was new. It was sudden. It was thorough. It was complete. So let's bring to the personal part. I want to title this section, Listen to Christmas 2018. See, by the way, those are planned dramatic effects <laughs> for the birth of Jesus. We're very into theatrics here at Grace Life, and so we wanted... Just like then, our world around us, including our holiday traditions, are so loud that we might miss what Christmas 2018 is trying to tell us. Look, I'm not trying to be a Grinch and dismiss sentimental traditions. They are important. They are a part of who we are. They serve a very important part to prepare our hearts for the celebration of Christmas. They create anticipation as they point us back to the joy and the message of Christmas 4 B.C. But just like most of Israel before 4 B.C., we often become obsessed with our own personal Christmas history. We relentlessly, just like they did, pursue and try to persevere through all of it to make sure every Christmas is perfect as it compares to our past experiences, even to the point that it brings us to a ridiculous amount of stress and anxiety and depression. And as a result of this anxiety over if we're going to be able to make Christmas good this year, we miss out on the blessing of what God's Spirit is saying to us through Christmas 2018. Put a verse up there for you. Um, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So Megan's going to come up now, and um, we're going to do something a little different for this Christmas sermon. So what happened with Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Simeon, and Anna, and the shepherds, and the wise men. You may not realize it, but it's there for us every Christmas in a fresh, new way. It's the same spirit that broke loose in Christmas 4 BC that can and will make Christmas 2018 just as special as long as we are not slaves to the past. So what I want you to do this morning, we're going to take time right now to say in your own silence, God, what does Christmas 2018 have to say?
And then suddenly, in that silence, for some of you right now, I don't know who or what, who knows? But God, through Christmas 2018, is speaking to you right now. Just like those wonderful stories we visited today, God is using Christmas 2018 to break through into your heart with a new, exciting message. Maybe he's going to use Christmas 2018. You didn't know this was going to happen. He did it without you even planning for it. Maybe he's going to do that to change everything for you today. Maybe he's enlightening you, enlightening you, giving you for the first real time the gift of faith that enables you to believe that Christ is your Savior. Maybe he is setting you free from years of what seemed like silence from God to a new, fresh connection to Heavenly Dad through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's not because necessarily of tradition but because of something new, something spiritual, something intimate and personal from your heavenly dad, that somehow through all of that, all the noise of tradition and baby it's cold outside and all the stuff that's going on, at some point God makes Christmas 2018 the best Christmas ever. And it wasn't because of the past. It's because of what he is doing right now in your heart. I don't know what it is. I can't pretend to know, but I know this. The God who spoke to them without them knowing it was happening, I know he is speaking to some of you today and saying this one is going to be different. Christmas 2018 is going to be the day where you said, wow, for the first time in years, God broke his silence to me and I heard him loud and clear. I invite you to pray with me, Father God. We sit here uh, with some silence, some reflection, knowing that you have the ability to speak into our hearts. If only we're willing to just be silent for a minute, and hear what it is that you're saying to us. So, Father, my prayer for all of us in this room today is that the word that we have heard spoken today is quick. And it pierces our hearts. I am calling on you to honor the word that you tell us that your word is quick. That it will never not set out what it purposes to accomplish. So, Father, accomplish within us what your word has uh, said it will do, which is to soften and to turn our hearts towards you. For Christmas, for New Year, for the next year, and the next year, for some of us, but maybe for others of us, can you soften our hearts like an hour at a time? Because we know you can, Father, and thank you. Thank you for the gift of your Son. Thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the gift of transformation. Thank you that you are always speaking to us. You still talk to us in ways that were just like you did with Simeon and Zechariah and Anna. You still talk to us. Help us to stop and listen and pay attention to what you're telling us. 
thank you for the good news of the birth of your son in whose name we gather together today to remember him, to praise you for the fulfillment of your promise. Help us to leave this place full of joy and happiness and hope in his birth, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection and eternity with you. In the name of Jesus Christ,